Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on this Monday, the first Monday of a brand new month, the last month of 2019. I'm Clarissa Montero. This is Money FM 89.3, joined as usual by JP Ong. And on this Monday by Ven Srinivasan, executive editor, you know, for all of radio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have to admit, I am so sort of tired from the Black Friday and ensuing weekend, I have no idea what the markets did, other than it looks like the STI is up a bit. Um, it was up a bit. Was up a bit. <laughs> um, swinging between gains and losses, still flat. And again, it, it seems that we're going to have a rather tepid end to the year. Now, look, if things end here, we're still up by about 7.5%. And we've pointed out on the show a number of times that for a year marked with a lot of this volatility, a lot of this uh, uncertainty. You know, the fact that we're 7.5%, you know, the STI, in fact, is outperforming the rest of the ASEAN region for the most part. I think it's only, it might only this it might only be equities in Vietnam at the moment that are doing better than us in the ASEAN space. But you look across the board, the Philippines, um, Malaysia, definitely, Indonesia, stocks. I mean, we're, we are doing relatively well. It could be because of this heightened demand for safe havens that uh, continue to push investors towards REITs. Um, so even if we end at 3,191 or, or thereabouts, it's, it's still a gain, at least, for, for the STI. The picture across the region, uh, again, once again, cautious, uh, just meagerly optimistic, I think is what I would term it. You've seen markets in, from Tokyo to Taipei trading higher so far in today's session. The Kospi was swinging between gains and losses in Seoul today, but they've steadied themselves. They're up by about four points. And markets in China also doing rather well. It could be down to those PMI figures that actually surprised the upside out in China that showed that manufacturing in the month of November actually probably did better. Uh, they did better than expected. And thus, just stoking more hope, not just uh, trade wars aside, that maybe this bottoming out in the manufacturing space globally and also in the, industrial, in the global industrial sector might actually be starting to, to take form. And also that some of these monetary stimulus measures that we've seen from China over the last month, from the loan prime rate adjustments and whatnot, might actually be feeding into the markets and, and might be actually feeding into this uh, mini recovery, at least, or, or signs of a recovery with regards to their, their manufacturing space. All right, so who are the big gainers today? Okay, so let's take a look at who's up and who's down. Um, AEM, going from strength to strength once again. DBS the other day initiated uh, a a rating, a a coverage at least, for AEM, uh, rating them a buy. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, they also mentioned that, look, regardless of all of this, the fact that Intel remains their biggest customer... Um, if Intel starts to show a, show a rebound as they have over the last couple of quarters, then this will actually be mean, well, mean well for AEM because they're believed to be the only supplier for testing equipment for mm-hmm. Intel. So right. if, uh, the, if the 5G pickup does happen, if Intel does start to maintain this momentum we've seen over the last few quarters, and mind you, we started out the year also with Intel looking rather gloomy, actually. So they've done a very good job of actually turning things around over at that company. But what's mm-hmm. good for the customer will be good for the supplier, such as AEM. Thai Beverage still going from strength to strength. There's still that talk of a possible IPO, a $10 billion IPO, happening in Singapore sometime in 2020 for their uh, beer unit, for the brewery unit. So this could actually fetch a lot of 
attention towards Thai Beverage. They are back again as the best-performing STI member year-to-date. Singtel up by about 1.5%. The picture, though, looks mixed when you look at the banks. DBS is in the red today. UOB, UOB, the only one of the big three actually seeing gains, but they're only up by about $0.03 cents a share today. And Yang Zichang Shipbuilding actually doing okay. I think it's also down to those uh, PMI numbers. Very sensitive to the Chinese economy and U.S.-China trade tensions. So Yang Zichang Shipbuilding up to about $1.06 a share. Okay, I think the question is, now that we are in December, and for all intents and purposes, we are supposed to have a trade deal by the middle of this month, then... Does it look like we're going to have one? Should is a very strong word, by the way. And uh, there is a saying back home that don't um, uh, yeah. d- don't say should right away. Do not uh, do not do not assume don't a should. Go to should. Don't don't assume a should. Yeah, go ahead. Don't assume a yeah, should. Yeah, I mean, we are heading towards December fifteen, and the next batch of uh, trade tariffs mm-hmm. uh, could hit. Markets remain wary, and uh, you know, over the weekend, uh, the Global Times in China, the tabloid state-controlled tabloid, tweeted that any phase one deal would have to be tied to a rollback in U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods, that is, all previous tariffs. But, you know, um, looks like there's positive noises coming out. I mean, there, there are some negatives, for example, the U.S., you know, supporting the human passing rights. legislation, yep. supporting the, the, the protesters and stuff like that. But... Generally, uh, there are positive noises out there and Chinese officials as well as US officials are saying they are very close. I don't know how you define close and how close is close. But I reckon that Trump needs a win, at least in the near term, as you know, his impeachment hearings carry on and a lot of negatives hang over him. There's a big cloud. So I... I suppose there is uh, a move inching towards each other mm-hmm. and uh, we could see something coming out during the final days of the week. So we're the at the week. could phase, we're not quite at the should phase yet. Is there, ever, <laughs> is there even a difference between... Actually, no, could is more passive, sorry. <laughs> Apologies to my high school English teacher. Um, here's, I want to add this though, a uh, report out of Reuters today citing the Axios News website saying that the trade deal between the US and China is now stalled. It's they haven't said that they have they've they've moved back, but things have kind of uh, hit a standstill a bit, and they are saying that it's because of the Hong Kong legislation actually that's keeping things from actually uh, moving forward. So if the Axios website is uh, if the reporting is uh, deemed accurate, um, it goes to show that yes, maybe the issues these political issues out of Hong Kong are bleeding into the possible signing of this Phase One trade deal. I also want to remind folks that you know this Phase One trade deal. It's been scaled back quite a bit. We were ba- we've basically negotiated our expectations down to saying, can we just agree on a pause on the tariffs first? Can we agree on a rollback of the tariffs? And we'll tackle everything else down the road. Can you just give us this little crumb at the moment? So uh, it's, it's difficult enough to roll this forward. But you're also seeing that, once again, business, trade, economics, politics social unrest, they all tend to tie into each other and there are no no definitive markers between either of them. And this is just exhibit A. Well, you know, the Chinese did say, that, or the Chinese administration did say that they weren't very happy that President Trump did agree to sign that human rights bill. It was, they called it interference, actually. They did call it interference. <laughs> let's not call, you know, let's not dance around the mm-hmm. subject. But I think that Therefore, reaction to it hasn't uh, emerged yet. Mm. I, I think that's what folks are wondering. What is the uh, well? Here's the thing that I I wonder. 
If you look at the wording of, of the Human Rights and Democracy Act mm-hmm. and just the broad strokes of it, it means that we're going to do, if I, were, if I was the U.S. Congress, if I was uh, government Washington, every year I do a re- an evaluation of whether or not there have been significant human rights abuses in Hong Kong, if the autonomy and the rule of law in Hong Kong is still transparent enough to favor the trading partner status. Mm-hmm. And if so, what does that actually mean? Does the U.S. hit mainland China with tariffs? No basically you just withdraw and say you know what you're going from being my special somebody to you're just another my buddy friend. to just another buddy <laughs> and and so when you think about it i mean the china could be just very incensed but at the back i mean there is if the goal is to accelerate the ascent of uh, Shanghai, Shenzhen, as these global financial centers took over Hong mm-hmm. Kong, this could actually play to their advantage, actually. Yep. I think ultimately, this will actually mean a lot more pain for the folks in Hong Kong if things go down that particular road. Now, as we saw, the protesters, and there's a lot of about it in Hong Kong, they are very happy with the fact that they're getting su- uh, getting a thumbs up, at least from but Donald Trump. But what are they actually getting Trump. is the question. But, uh, what are they getting, number one? And number two, are this could mean a lot of pain down the road. Now, they've been, they've been known to endure a lot of things, but can they endure even more potential downside? And is that downside going to be significant, at least for Hong Kong as a trading status? And are they ultimately the ones who are going to get pinched if things go? Right. No, just think about it. Who suffers the most mm. if if Always US the acts? people. Yeah. It, mm. it, it'll be Hong Kong. China yep. will play the long game. Sure. They've got various centers, uh, Shenzhen, they've got Shanghai. They'll develop other centers mm. over time. But if the U.S. does act uh, on this bill at any time in the future, who suffers the most? It's Hong Kong. It's not mainland China. And it would be the man on the street yes. in Hong Kong. Yes, of course. So, uh, I mean, China is obviously very angry about this, uh, but I don't think they'll act. Uh, I mean, they won't tie it immediately to their, their, their trade negotiations. They will try to have that on a different track. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, by, by December 15, something, some deal will be struck, uh, call it whatever you will, uh, phase one, interim or whatever, and then they'll move on to the next step. So it'll be interesting to see how this chess game plays out in the next few weeks. You know, this is why chess bores me after a while. (laughs) Now, the question is, (laughs) baseball, it takes about as much time as I can manage. I argue it's actually slower than chess, but I digress. I'm going to smack you, JP. Uh. All right, markets. The, you know, for the most part, the markets have been doing pretty well. As you said at the start Mm -hmm. of this report, the SDI is still at 7%. Mm -hmm. So are they getting too euphoric? Is there a reason to be concerned going into 2020 when you start? Well, go okay. ahead, Van. Yeah, well, global markets have been going up despite mm. all the uncertainties and the doom and gloom and trade issues and stuff like that. For example, uh, the S&P has gained 25% this year. You know, and most global markets, with the exception probably uh, of Hong Kong, have been up. Questions is question that you ask is very valid. Is there too much euphoria? Who knows? You know, we are heading into December. December has generally been a good year, except for last year when mm-hmm. there were some issues. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think the markets will head higher uh, in the near term, but the question is: Are, the, are is it getting all very frothy? You know. Price to book values on Wall Street is three times, and mm-hmm. Singapore is less than one. Apple and Microsoft alone have added 820 billion US dollars in market cap, and that's like 1,100 points on the Dow. I was just looking up these numbers this morning. And, you know, central banks seem to be continuing their easing bias. 
you know, interest rates and uh, monetary policy is supportive of the market. And then there are there's activities, M&A activities like the recent Charles Schwab, uh, TD Ameritrade, LVMH, Tiffany's, Novartis, the medicines and other deals. Not to mention are, mergers here in Singapore yeah. too. Mm. Here and in other, many other markets as well, to be fair. So these things are stoking interest, keeping people glued to securities. Meanwhile, in the background, there are uh, there are dark clouds uh, or above the dark clouds gathering. So, right. what do you think, JP? How long will this last? Do you think? Well, okay. So, if you want to say exuberant, that's probably one of the last things I would call Singaporean markets. In fact, this is a theme we've actually looked at. Whenever markets rally, yes, Singapore on occasion, uh, more often than not, actually joins in with the regional rally. But you see that we're a lot. Uh, things are a bit more we're a um, lot tem- measured, more tempered, yeah. more measured. Yeah. When people are when China's going up by two percent, we're up by about half a percent, maybe. I think that uh, we've actually seen that uh, over the last four or five weeks, there's uh, you've seen markets here ping pong between 3,200 and 3,250. So mm-hmm. I think uh, in some sense, I think uh, the year end, at least for local markets, this might be as good as it gets. We might even take a slight step back, but holding on maybe to maybe at the least, um, and this is just me playing armchair technician again, right. a 6% year-to-date growth perhaps at the most, which will still outperform many other markets in Southeast Asia. If I'm not mis- I'll have to check how Ho Chi Minh did year-to-date, but I believe they're the only ones that are actually beating us in the ASEAN space. But you're talking about a developed economy here that was facing a, re- a technical recession actually outperforming the rest. This And a lot of, of uh, investors, I remember speaking to Paul Chu of Philip, of Philip Securities the other week, he said, well, the, the outlook for 20 20 is a little bit uh, unsure because there's so many other things. I said, well, what about the year end? Oh, that's easy. We're probably This is probably as good as it gets at the moment. <laughs> but, you know, nevertheless, just to remind people that 7%, given all of this uncertainty and all of these hiccups and all of these scares that we've had, is actually pretty good. And mind you, Venn did bring up valuations, the S&P 500 and all of that. There is a thesis now among investment investors that, oh, look, even if... Uh, if the U.S. the U.S. will probably not enter a recession, many are saying that at the moment. We can that's a debate for another time, but uh, there is an argument that there could be a rotation out of the U.S. because of these valuations are so high. Now you look at Singapore. Ven brought up the price to book. A forward price to earnings ratios for STI now is about eleven point one. It's below our five year average and also very competitive when you compare it to say other emerging markets. When you compare it to many other developed markets, so there's a lot of uh, reason for there to be upside for markets in the region, and there could be that rotation out of the SB. So if you ask me, like, um, well, which mar- are markets going to do well or markets going to do poorly next year? Well, which one? We have to sort of uh, to distinguish that as well. That there could be this rotation, but overall, nobody's predicting a, a crash next year. But again, there's a lot of flashpoints: the trade war, the U.S. elections, and who knows what happens with uh, with regards to geopolitical uncertainties, not just in Hong Kong, but also say in in the eurozone, out in the Middle East out among the OPEC producing regions there's if you're playing minesweeper and for those who know what minesweeper is this is it's still going to be a very tricky board you're going to play next year but uh, there there's there's hope there's still hope that's what there they, is still hope and you know the thing is i started this report by talking about black friday Black Friday in the US, Black Friday around the world, even here in Singapore. Did you know there were people who were running into Robinsons at the doors opening of Black Friday right here in Singapore? I did not know that. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen the footage. Yeah. Believe me, I I was surprised. I, I hope they got the deals you they see, wanted. You, you saw the footage because you were taking the footage because you were there? <laughs> I'm not talking to you anymore, <laughs> JP. <laughs> no. But anyway, so we've got Black Friday and the ensuing weekend. Today is Cyber Monday. Um, do you think that the economy right now in the U.S. is being driven by 
consumers. Oh, it always has been. It and, always uh, has been, yeah. Especially this, it, well, this time of year. Here's something very interesting. I'm going to be playing. I did speak to some of the folks at Credit Suisse earlier this morning. Ryan and I actually went down there for their investment outlook. And something very interesting that Ray Farris, their CIO, actually pointed out. He said, when you look at the U.S. market, what's really going to matter for the U.S. isn't trade, actually. It's going to be the housing market, which is also very much tied. Is And it's basically your number one indicator of how healthy the U.S. consumer is. And he says that as long as these market rates are low and people are maintaining their housing starts or at least sustaining them, mm-hmm. the U.S. economy is probably not going to really take a dip. And perhaps it's also why, you know, when, when, if, if, the, if that's also correct, it, it, it gives you an insight into what the Trump administration is thinking. Perhaps the reason they've been so hard on trade is because they also know, they probably believe that, you know what, this trade war isn't really going to hit our economy as hard as, say, these other external-facing exporters such as China and Say to say it's Singapore, even to the, the short answer to that question is, yeah, you betcha. This the U.S. economy. I think this is why they're so powerful. It's a th- they've got these high GDP per capita spending, consumption per capita, three hundred fifty million people, and they can all spend. No, the national, the National Retail Federation, the U.S. estimated that more than one hundred seventy million people have started participating in this five-day promotional period mm-hmm. between last Thursday and Cyber Monday, right. which is today. And that's a conservative estimate. So people are just spending. Now the is the US. time to buy that 70-inch TV yeah. you always I mean, want. You look at uh, retailers mm-hmm. like Walmart, Best Buy, are already seeing very, very robust, uh, mm-hmm. uh, reporting very robust trading over the sales over the weekend, I mean. One thing to note is demand for durable goods has been particularly strong. Mm. And spending on large ticket items has actually been increasing. And that's also that that's consumption and business investment. Yes. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's the picture on the consumer f- consumption front in the US is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And that's that is as you said driving the US economy for now. This is despite mm-hmm. the trade wars and all the issues. Now if phase 1 deal is struck things could get even busier. Right. On the consumer spending front, that's okay. my guess. Well, you know what? We are heading towards Christmas and the New Year. I think everybody's going to be out consuming mm-hmm. and shopping. Well, the question and is, are they going to consume acquiring. at expectation? Or are we, going to, are we going to make sure we only buy gifts for our friends and family and not for everybody else? Oh, I don't know, JP, but I suspect <laughs> that this is a conversation we'll be having in the coming oh, I, 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 I know I'm not your Christmas card list. I know. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. There's still love in this room. Don't worry. There's, there's <laughs> a lot of love in this room. All right. This has been Market View Monday. I'm Clarissa Montero. He's JP Ong. Um, and we were joined by Vince Rinivasan, executive editor for radio on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.